Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you, Josh. What powerful worship this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. A lot of stuff going on. I know between uh, many of the ways that take place this afternoon, right after the service, baptism next Sunday, there's a lot of stuff going on. But it's not just stuff. It's how God has been moving in lives and transforming. Amen? And I just praise God for that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Nehemiah. But I want to just take a moment to set this up. I know every Sunday over the last many, many Sundays, we've been in this series. But, but before we just get into this series again this morning, I just want to, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, teach a class this semester on introduction to Bible, and some of the students are here, but don't worry, you're not going to get too much of a repetitive uh, lesson. But here, here's what your Bible is, it's a story. It's God's story. Whenever you're told to read the Bible, I know we always think of, oh man, you know, where do I start? Or can't somebody else do that for me? But here's the reality. This is God's story to us. It starts off in Genesis. And Moses is telling his people that, that there's God who created everything. And that, that's where it starts. In the beginning, God. And throughout the rest of this book, it's just a story of how God has been reaching back out to us to bring us back together as his people. God cares very deeply for you as an individual. But believe me, he, he sees us as his people. He sees us as the family of God. Jesus Christ is coming back for the bride of Christ. So I say that because it wraps up in Revelations, and we talked about this many months ago, when uh, John, the ba- uh, John looks over and he hears the word of God tell him, write this down, I am making all things new. New heaven and a new earth. So when I talk out of Nehemiah today, I I want you to hear the story come out. It's not just about another message. You see, several several weeks ago when we started Nehemiah, we talked about the fact, you know, who who, who can be used by God? Who can God use? Second Chronicles tells us, for the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him so that he can show his great power in helping them. And I just want to re-encourage someone this morning. If you don't think God wants to use you, just give your heart to him and find out. We talked about what it meant to have a holy discontent. And I've loved talking to some of you about that because when we first started the series, it it was just sort of, uh, okay, Lord, a holy discontent, something that needs to change, something that needs to take place. And, And I think a lot of us felt a stirring but, and you don't have to raise your hands, how many over the last several weeks, God is just continually messing you up? Okay. Messing you up in Greek is messing you up. Here, here's what I mean by that. It, it's just simply saying that in all different ways, whatever you're wrestling with, the Holy Spirit is saying, there's a discontent there that I want to help you with. There's something in your life. There's something in the world around you. There's something in the 
situation that you're having to deal with at work, at home, wherever it may be, that, that I really do want to help you with. But now with Nehemiah, we see that it was a circumstance that he had heard about what was taking place in Jerusalem. The walls were down. The gates had been burned. And we'll talk today about why that was such a concern. But he was grieved, and he began praying. He had faith enough to go to, his, to the king that he was serving and ask to be given time and paid vacation to go work. There were bricks of commitment, bricks of opportunity. It was opposition, and I love this about opposition because opposition is always wanting to stop God's opportunities. But God's opportunities in your life are born out of opposition. Think about that. Think about the last time you really learned something. Think about the last time something really sunk into your life. It wasn't when things were going well. It was when things were tough. And the opposition was there. But I also love the fact that he didn't just stop there. There were cries of oppression. I have found in leadership, and many of you in here serve and influence many with your leadership. There are times in my life where I think, okay, Lord, if we can just get past this season, it'll be smooth sailing. How many of you understand that there's really never smooth sailing? There's never really uh, smooth sailing in life when you're leading or when you're trying to get something done for Christ. But what I have found out is when we read Nehemiah, he didn't let that stop him. Whether it was opposition from the outside are, are difficulties from the inside, the people crying out. He kept working. He kept motivating. He kept moving, and the wall was built. Pastor Corey brought a phenomenal message last week, tremendous word about being disconnected and, and confused and distracted. And this, the, fra the phrase that he used was powerful, stay on the wall. Don't come down. Sometimes you just stay till it's finished. My brother and I were talking about my father who passed away about 15 years ago. And if you knew my dad, he was the kind of guy that you knew you were in trouble if you were going to a job with him and he called my mother and asked her to pick up a bucket of chicken. That didn't mean you were going to eat well. That meant you were staying somewhere until the job was finished. That meant you weren't going home that night, so bring lunch. Okay, What Nehemiah shows us is that there are just times in your life where you just don't come off the wall till it's done. You don't, you don't just leave what God has called you to because you've had a bad day, because there's opposition, because things don't go your way. Listen, if you're, li if you're breathing and living this morning, things aren't going to go your way occasionally. How many of you are married? Okay, you'll get that in just a minute. If you're married... Men, you know that things don't always go your way. <laughs> All you men are being very good. I'm not saying anything. I, I want to make it home. We know what it means for things not to always go our way, but we, we stay on the wall, right? Now, I, I want to talk this morning because it takes a little bit of a shift here. Up till now, Nehemiah has been going back to Jerusalem Physical dynamics have been in play. Building a physical wall, physical inspections. But last week in chapter 7, we 
end of chapter 6 into chapter 7, we, we read pretty quickly that the wall was built in 52 days. So the physical dynamics of why he went there, 52 days from start to finish, the wall was built. A miracle within itself. With all the opposition, with all the difficulties he had coming against him, threatening his life and the lives of those working, he goes, don't forget, they had set up guards all along the wall. Men were working while some were working, others would hold spears. The men that were working had a sword and a sheath ready to pull it out to defend themselves because the enemy did not want them to build the wall. Today, I want to talk about the spiritual transition that begins to take place because although I'm praying that, that the spiritual transition and the idea and the principles behind God's word have already been shifting in your mind and helping you move in some of those dynamics, I want you to see specifically today how God wants to do a work in your life. In just a moment, we're going to start reading out of chapter 7. But I just want to remind you that he who began a good work in you will complete it. That it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. See, if you go back just a, a few years earlier, before Nehemiah went back because of the wall scenario, they had trouble even getting the temple built. It took many years for them to even get the temple foundation and the temple built, and, and it, it was a struggle. It was rigorous, and the people just weren't... So they had to keep the people motivated to keep God at the center. And, and God, through Zechariah, gave a message to give Zerubbabel and that was simply this in Zechariah 4 you tell Zerubbabel who's ready to give up who wants to give up who wants to give in who can't see how this will get done who can't see an end to this who's struggling who's battling you tell him that it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit thus saith the Lord who are you old mountain or who are you old challenge or who are you great struggle I will make you a plain in other words, no weapon formed against you can prosper. But it's not because you are strong. It's he. It's greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's greater than that, greater than that, is that situation that you're facing. God is greater than that situation that you're facing. And I know for some of us, depending on how long you've been facing that situation, it seems insurmountable. I'll get to my notes in just a second. It seems insurmountable, doesn't it? Um, you don't have to raise your hands, but you've given up on it so many times in your mind that you've just gone ahead and moved down that road. But I just want to remind somebody, God's got a story. God's already got your story right here. You don't have to recreate your story. He's got one for you right here. Have you ever been on a long trip? It's a true story. I mean, I've heard it in different ways, but it happened to me, so this is my story. Traveled with a group many years ago, and there were many times that we would drive all through the night to get to the next place to minister. And two different occasions in all of my travels with this group, it was nothing for all of us to be so sleepy, but we had another two or 300 miles to go, and we would pull off at a gas station somewhere and switch out drivers and it was sort of like switching out zombies 
in two different times in a period of two different years, three years, we would wake up and the sun would be coming up and we'd be like, oh, praise God, we're almost there. Only to realize that who had been driving the last couple of hours had gotten on the exit going in the wrong direction. Because when you're asleep, you don't read signs, you're just looking at lines. You're just trying to stay on the road. Now I say that, you know sometimes we get tired. Sometimes life beats you up a little bit. Sometimes there's some struggles. Sometimes it's, it's the world pressing in and sometimes it's us. And you get off the wrong exit. And you just think, all right, that's it for me. Don't ever forget that God's got a plan. Don't ever think it's too late, that you're too lost, that it's too far gone, that, that God is not able. And I'm praying that you will see this today. Because let, let's just look at this starting in chapter 7 of Nehemiah. Just starting there at verse 1. He said, now when the wall had been built and I had set the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanai and Hanani, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a more faithful and a God-fearing man than many. And I said to him, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut the bars on the door. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem some at their guard posts and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few. No houses had been built. And then God put this into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of genealogy of those who came up first and I found written in it. These were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. And they returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramai, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Misferth, Bigbeah, Naom, and Banan. Now what in the world does that mean? <clears throat> 52 days the wall was built Nehemiah comes in and, and really this, this first I really don't have numbered points on this this morning but I, I'm telling you God's got a word for us one of the first things I realized and reading this this last week and just searching and studying it I, I had never read this before but when he set the doors in place, the first thing he did was get the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites, and he appointed them. You see, again, leadership doesn't mean, all right, the wall's built, we don't need to be on guard. I just found it very unique and different that he would set the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites guarding the gate. He continued to set guards around the city, even guards in front of people's homes. Because listen, the attacks were still potential. There were always the potential of attacks. That's why getting the walls back up, when Nehemiah first heard that the walls were still broken and the gates had been burned, 
He wasn't upset because of the financial cost it may have taken. He wasn't upset because who's going to build the wall? It looks so nice. He knew that the city was in trouble, that God's people were, were in trouble, because even though they had the temple in place, outside influences could still come in. And you could be in the temple all you want with the wrong motives. And you see, when he, when he put the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites, that just sort of jumped off the page. And I really had to study that this week. Because one of the things I believe that, that we're seeing take place in this spiritual dynamic that we're walking through in Nehemiah is simply this. Worship must be your gatekeeper. Now, what do I mean by that? When he appointed the singers and the Levites and the gatekeepers, and I love that part, too, where he says, and listen, don't even open the gate until the sun is hot. I thought, man, what does that mean? It's really simple. It, it just means this. Let the sun get way up in the sky so you can see people coming from way far off. Not just anybody needs to get in here. Not just anybody needs to have access into the city. Not just any, so when you, you let the sun get hot, because typically every city would open their gates first thing in the morning and then close their gates at evening, sort of like a cemetery, right? The gates are closed when the sun is down. But here's what he said, don't open the gates until the sun is hot. Why? I want you to make sure that while you're guarding this, that you are making sure the wrong influences aren't getting in. Now, now, what has that got to do with worship? First of all, when I say worship, I'm not talking about music. See, we, we have diluted worship down, and we, we are blessed with a powerful praise team. Emily does an incredible job. Praise the Lord. But if that was worship, we're limited to three songs. Happy song, happy song, sad song, sad song, happy song. And, and then what we're trained to do is come here to get your worship on. I didn't, I didn't really feel it today. I didn't, I, you know, usually because if, if the worship's good, I, I get goosebumps, and I feel something, and I want to I dance a little bit. I can take you to a bar, and you would want to dance. If, if the music's moving, you're going to tap your foot, Right? I mean, Diane and I went to Nashville a few weeks ago. I don't care what part of the city you're in. You're like, you know, what are you doing? I hear something. I don't know, I don't know where it's coming from right now, but I'm, I hear something. Uh, so here, it, it's not about can we stir a feeling? Can we stir an emotion? Listen, when we gather corporately in the presence of God, I have no doubt that our emotions will be stirred. I have no doubt that you might feel something. But you just feeling something's not really the purpose. That's why worship is not about just what we do here on Sunday morning. Worship really is a lifestyle. Now, we come together corporately to worship him. The Psalms are filled with illustrations of how we should worship. Oh, let us come and worship and bow down. Let us sing and raise hands and praise the God, our creator, our maker, our God. Here, here's what I'm suggesting, though. He was saying... The worship that I'm putting guard at this gate 
is the kind of worship that's going to teach us that the rest of our lives need to be spent putting God first. Because it's whatever you think is worth that you will worship. See, worship is just a longer word for worth. Lord, I give you, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy. Out of all the things in the world, God, the only thing that's worth anything to me is you. And see, I found that we have the capacity that when we put worth on something, we all have the capacity. You know I'm right. We all have the capacity to decide that's the most important thing in my life. We can do it with relationships. We can do it with our children. We can do it with our business. We can do it with the boat. I feel like I'm getting ready to turn into a nursery rhyme here in a minute. We have the capacity to put worth on what we think is worth. And if we're not careful, we'll worship it. We'll make an idol out of it. And see, that's what kept the children of Israel in trouble all the time anyway. That's really what Zach, uh, Nehemiah's real struggle was when he first heard that the walls were down. That's why he fell and began weeping and began praying. Why? Because he knew that that's what got them in trouble to begin with. Outside influences were allowed to come in. And, and people had the tendency to serve God, but then turn their backs on God and give worship to something else. Put something else more worthy. And they found themselves allowing the outside influences to be more important than the temple. That's why it took so long for the temple to be built. Now let's talk about the people very quickly. I'm pressed for time this morning. I do apologize. Let's talk about the people who came back from the exile. If you remember the very first week we talked about this, that not everybody in bondage left. There were people that still lived in Babylon who could have left who decided, you know, we're comfortable. You know, if nothing's broke, don't fix it. We've gotten settled here. We've gotten comfortable here. And see, what happens in our lives sometimes is we've gotten settled living in brokenness. We've gotten settled living in a situation that, quite frankly, is very, very wrong. But we've gotten comfortable there. And see, Zechariah knew if we're not careful, we just end up in bondage all over again. And I mean, he was upset. He prayed. By faith, he asked his, his, uh, his, his, the king over him. He prayed. He, by faith, got permission to go. And he went to work and didn't let anybody stop him to build a physical wall. Why? Because he knew there was a spiritual dynamic at play. And then he put the guards over the gates and says, don't, don't just let any influence come in. Can I ask you something? What's influencing you? What do you worship? What do you worship? You see, even when we even when we narrow it down to Sunday morning, we don't worship. If the song's not right, not my favorite, not the right key, whatever it may be, here, here's the bottom line. That's one very small part of worship. Here's another way of thinking about it. Who has your heart? Because you can attend here on Sunday, but your heart is far from him. You can be here and be involved in the activities, but, but your heart can be far from him. 
And Nehemiah starts here. Why? Because he's getting ready to call the people back. The, the people that did come back were people who really did want to build Jerusalem. There was a part of them they wanted to get back to where God wanted them to be. How many of you want to be where God wants you to be this morning? I mean, you really, there's a part of you that you know God's got a plan. And God, I don't know what it is, but I just want to be where you want me to be, Lord. See, I don't think anybody would fight against that. It's just, that's the people that were being called back. And he calls them back. But he's calling people back to a city. And we just read it a moment ago. It was big and wide. But no houses were built. In, in other words, nobody was getting settled. Many of uh, other translations will say houses were still in ruins. In other words, people had not really gone in and taken seriously because they allowed themselves to still be influenced from outside influences. Think about it like this. We come to church and we say, Lord, here I am. Fix me. But we really don't surrender. We say, Lord, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down only in my heart, Lord, because I don't want to get my pants dirty. Here I am to say that you're, I'm being very sarcastic. I don't want anybody to get a complex. It's the word of God that convicts. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to tell you we don't worship. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm telling you it's easy for us to worship with our mouths, but our heart is far from him. Is, I am not trying to, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but I'm praying the Holy Spirit will convict you. Uh, sort of like the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching. All Peter was doing was telling them a story. And they finally said, these people who had heard them glorifying God in their own language finally said, what must we do to be saved? Because see, at some point in our lives, at some point in our relationship, we know down deep inside, we put up a good facade, we, we put up a good outer exposure, and we look good, we can even act good for a season, but we know down deep inside we're miserable. We've got big, wide spaces as a lifestyle, but our life on the inside is still ruins. You might even have walls up, and you've gotten the walls up, and they're looking good. Am I making any sense? You got the walls up and they're looking good, but the structures on the inside are decayed and ruined because over time you still let the influences have their way. What are you worshiping? See, worship guards the gate. Me deciding this morning, now we're not talking about salvation because the people coming back from exile, we're, we're talking about people of God. We're talking about people who wanted to be uh, God's people. We're, they were pursuing God. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But I, I want you to know this morning that you can, you can it, it, very cleverly, Satan doesn't care if you fall off the wagon as long as you just got the wagon and pointed in a different direction. Sometimes we get so secure in our structures that we think everything's okay. And he's saying, am I making sense? And he's saying, I want, I want to know that your heart is staying focused on him because I'm going to start calling people back and we're going to go check the genealogies of everybody who was taken captive and those that have returned we're going to make sure they've got a place to exist we're going to make sure they've got a place where they cannot be influenced because the power of God will be the center all over again but then uh, if you read on in chapter 8 I'm going to jump to chapter 8 
I'm going to spare you the reading of all the genealogies. Somebody say amen. <laughs> but what happens in chapter 8? I find it very interesting, and I am going to read that. Starting in verse 1. I don't even know if I have this up there, Michael. <clears throat> all the people gathered together because they, they called together, and we're going to see this next week, a holy convocation. They're getting ready to move into a, a powerful time of celebration and feast. And I thought, you know, I, sometimes when, I, when we plan series like this, uh, you want to think that we're brilliant. Anybody ever think that you want to be brilliant? Okay, never mind. But when I realized that this week is Thanksgiving, I'm thinking, oh, that was brilliance on God's part. Because <laughs> this passage actually is a powerful inroad Thanksgiving. Because Nehemiah, he calls all the people together. And they all come together, the Bible says, as one man. In other words, they all came together as one unit. All these people came and gathered together at the, at the water gate. And as they gathered together, they built up a large stage because Ezra shows back up with the word. Ezra brings the Bible, the Torah. And they all knew what it was because they were there for that. You know, there's a difference between people who come for the word, and I'll let you decipher that. But they came because they knew the word was to be read. Why? They knew the whole point of everything that was taking place was once again to build a habitation of the Lord Most High because God dwells in his holy temple. And now the people were going to live right there around the temple. And the city was protected by the presence and the power of God. But all that had been destroyed. When Nebuchadnezzar came in to initially take Jerusalem and take the children of God captive, they decided to tear everything they could apart with their life so they would never have any remembrance of God ever again. See, the enemy doesn't want to just take a little bit of you. He wants all of you. The enemy doesn't want to just ruin a little part of God in your life. He wants you to forget about God in your life. And we think that's not even possible. But little by little, little by little, you find yourself. Little by little, you wake up one day. Now, now here's, what, here's what I'm saying. This is powerful. Ezra gets up to read the word. And if you read that part of chapter 8, it says the entire congregation, men and women, they even had their children. You're going to really appreciate this. They stood the entire time, and they began reading the law from morning until noon. You think our worship services are long. You think standing for four songs is a pain. If you got there, I, listen, I'll speak for myself. After about 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, Lord. That's why I like preaching because I can't sit that long, and at least when I'm standing, I can walk around. All right, you'll get that later. But they stood the entire time. Why? Because Ezra started reading the word. Ezra started reading the law. Now, commentaries don't tell us it was the entire Torah. Commentaries don't tell us it was Genesis or Exodus. Many do believe it was different aspects of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. 
And it wasn't there to read the law, as we'll see in just a moment, to make people feel bad, because anybody that's just trying to make you feel bad is preaching for all the wrong reasons. Because the, the law should liberate us, not put us into bondage. See, the, the Word of God in, in, our, in our modern day culture, a lot of people look at the, at the Bible as a lot of rules and regulations, and, and we try to combat, well, that's not really what God means. That's not, a, that's not anything that God meant. This is life. Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. We look at it as rules. Well, they are rules if you're trying to do your own thing. And you look at this as just a list of rules. But what if it was a road map? What if it was a story of how to live? Uh, and, and what Nehemiah was saying is, Ezra is now coming in. We're not going to hear a lot about Nehemiah until about chapter 11 and 12. But Ezra comes in and starts reading the word, and the people just stand in awe as he's reading. Because what is he reading? I believe he's reading, here's what, here's what could happen, but because of God, here's what does happen. You could be cursed, but, but because I'm God, you can be blessed. It, things could be very, very bad. And look what you've done, and look how life has turned out for you. And they all could have laid there and said, yes. This is terrible because they begin to say amen amen which means we agree we agree and then the Bible says with great conviction with great grievance they bowed their heads and lay prostrate they, they were convicted they were mad at themselves why because they could see how they ended up in the mess they're in they could see how they ended up where they were. Now, now, what does the Bible tell us about that? Because the Word of God is, is supposed to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's not just been something that we just can consider. This really has life for you. This really has direction for you. I, I would encourage you, please listen. I would encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, see us after church. We will get one in your hands. But you don't have to have the paper. If you've got a phone, you can have a Bible in 30 seconds. You can download an app. There's, there's tons of them. I think I told you about this a few weeks ago. There's, there's a simple app called Abide. My wife and I try to use it every morning. I, I, I know I jokingly mentioned this, but it's true. We, we listen to it every morning, and I'm convicted every morning. Why? Because the Word of God is sharp. It's powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. It knows how to cut right down to the quick. In other words, I don't listen to that because, okay, Lord, here I am for my next spanking. Right? Here I am, Lord, for my next flogging. You know, that's how we make people feel sometimes. You want to be a Christian? We beat each other up. That's not, that's not life at all. It's, you want life? Life's going to be tough anyway, but how about on the other side? You have victory. That's what the Bible does for you. And I found myself, even with my wife, as we're sitting there listening to these every morning, I, I can't believe how God just comes alive in my spirit. Starting every morning, I say, Pastor, we hope you're in the Word. You're the pastor. I just try to start my morning like that with my wife. I want to challenge you. I don't care if it's, I don't care if it's an app. I know some of us right now are saying, well, Pastor, I'm really busy. It's hard for me to sit down and read. 
when you, when you begin to understand, I'm just challenging you with this, if you will begin to understand that how you're trying to live your life now doesn't work. That's why some of you can come to church and you think this is like the check. Check that box. So, Lord, why isn't life going right? Because he's still not first. And, and you're not delving into this to learn the precepts. And you're not delving into this. I'm telling you, get a Bible. Get into it. I know you hear me say this all the time, but just start reading it. Just start reading it. Start reading it. Well, Pastor, I'm bombarded on every side. This last week in class, um, we just started looking at a few of the Psalms. And, you know, we live in a culture where a lot of things are accepted right now. We live in a culture where things that you never would have believed 25, 30 years ago would be accepted and pass the law and be allowed to happen in this nation. Well, how, how do you get along with those people? How do you share Jesus? With, how, do, how do we get along in culture? What, what do we do? How are we supposed to handle that? When they even have their own churches saying it's okay, how do you, how do you handle that? His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If, you, if you're not in the word, you're not going to know the answer. But I promise you, when you start reading the book of Psalms, especially, and he constantly is living and talking about the praises of God, and he's constantly talking about a God who created all things, and the psalmist, I believe it was 147, says, All creation worships him. The moon and the sun bow down. And then he says, And he, it, they are commanded to worship him because he created them. And I thought, well, how, how does the sun and the moon, how does the earth, how does creation worship God? They, they really don't have hands to raise necessarily. How does all creation worship God? Um, I just thought this was beautiful. Because they're His. He created them. It's like when you have a child. Um, it doesn't matter what that little baby does. You're like, oh, that's my baby. I love that little baby. All right, true confession. I know there's a lot of nights where that baby cries all night. That you're like, oh, Lord. But toddlers, anybody ever have a toddler that was yours? And they're running across the room and they fall and they knock something over. And you're upset, but do you throw them out of the house? No. By the, by the time the end of the day is over, you're like, man. Because, you know, you, you see them running across the living room now. But as they grow up, you, just, you look out the back window and they're running across the yard and you're like, Thank you, God. I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of her. Why? Because in their own way, they're praising. I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe that's how God feels about creation. But what about us? We're the only thing in creation that can return to praise. We are his creation that can turn back and give him worth. Now, I say that that's why staying in his word I want to, whatever I do, I want to do with excellence. Whatever I do, I want to give the best of my ability. But according to his word, that's never really going to add up to a much anyway. That's why I need him more than I could ever imagine. That's why I need him in my life more than I could ever imagine. That's why when they got all the people back, the first thing they did after they built the wall was open the word. And because they didn't need a pep rally, they needed the foundation. They, they didn't need a celebration 
that was based on rebuilding a wall. They needed a celebration, understanding the word. Something else that happened when they were reading the word, they said the Levites were going around from group to group, making sure they understood what was being taught. So Ezra was speaking, and they had grace groups. Did you know they had grace groups in Jerusalem? So while Ezra is preaching, while Ezra is reading the word, now the Levites could have been easily going around because they had been in captivity for so long that if he was reading the word, they might have needed translators. But here's what was happening. The Levites were making sure they understood what the word meant because they weren't expected just to celebrate and have a service. They were expected to go into the city and live it. See, when we leave here today, his word really is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It's not about, Lord, please save me. Thank you for your grace. Now I'm going to go live like I want. This isn't bondage, guys. It, it really is life. What do I love about the gospel? And I'm wrapping this up. What do I love about the gospel? It's good news. Now, the, the good news is you can be set free. But you don't know it's good news unless you know there's bad news. Most of us have decided there is no bad news. I don't like it when a church preaches about sin. I don't like it when the church tells me I'm wrong. I don't like it when a church makes me feel bad about myself. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to you simply through his word. And I know myself, I like to fight against God so much, I'll get miserable sometimes. That's just called conviction. And see, when, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, that's when you realize, man... I'm worse off than I thought. This is bad. Now there's good news. Now there's some good news. Jesus saves. You don't have to live like that. Nick said it this, this morning. Through Jesus Christ, we're free. Now what does that got to do with this setting? All the people come back. There's a focus on worship. There's a focus on the word. But then in this, in this last passage... <clears throat> Starting in verse 9. It says, Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to the people, this, is, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Now, just get the picture. Because they had been listening to the word for hours. And they realized their broken condition. But they also heard that God saves and, and they had fallen to the ground. They were weeping because they really knew down deep inside how broken and depraved they really were. Here's, here's the revival that needs to take place in America. We need to confess that we're more broken than we act like we are. We don't like to confess that we're broken. We don't like to confess that we don't have the answers. We don't like to confess that we have sin in our life. We, we've, we've learned how to somehow get along and we've just dressed up the ruins. But, but Nehemiah shows us that he comes along because if you continue to read the word of God, here's what it will tell you. That though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. That even though you are sinful, you can be saved through Jesus Christ. How does he show us that here? He goes on to say, go your way, eat, 
to fat and drink sweet wine and sin portions. In other words, start to celebrate. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's good news. Um, does that mean that you're always going to be happy? And when you break that verse down, it simply says this, the joy of the Lord, His joy is your strength. His joy. It was, it was for His joy that He endured the cross. It was because of His desire. John 3.16 says, you know the verse, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It was His joy to give Jesus Christ. Not to condemn the world, but that through the world He might be saved. So how, how does this spiritual dynamic start to take place? I, I want you just to see in your mind's eye, because listen, in, in just a few, can you believe in just a few weeks it's going to be 2020? Now don't laugh out loud. Staff and I have had to work through this already. But here's, I, I really felt compelled to just take this right into the next year, because I know it's 2020, you're going to see a lot of this, I'm sure, but... I believe this next year for all of us in here, especially with what God has been doing in Nehemiah, in my heart, in my spirit, and many that I talk to, 2020 is going to be a year of vision for the rest of your life. Because you don't need a vision to get you to February. You don't need a vision that just gets you through 2020. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for you as individuals, for your families, for your businesses. And I promise you, it's not just to get through another year. But what does that look like? I firmly believe we're looking at Nehemiah right now. It's a God thing. Because I really believe that God's trying to show us, listen, Nehemiah is just one more illustration of my story to you. You were broken in captivity. But if you'll look at your life and start to rebuild the things in your life that need to be built back, and understand that it's not by might, but by power. If you'll come back to me and give me your whole heart, if you'll give me your whole heart and begin to live by this word, you will be amazed at what, can I, what I can do with your life. And we see this renewal. Next week, we're going to look at what confession looks like, what repentance looks like. But I love what they said here, because here's, here's what Nehemiah and Ezra said. They're laying on the ground on their faces, weeping before God. And they say, get up. Go get something to eat. But I really feel bad right now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That, that would be like you and I saying, but I'm trying to save myself. I, I'm really feeling bad right now, Pastor, and you're saying go to Golden Corral. I'm, I'm trying to save myself. No, John, you don't save yourself. You're saved by grace. It, you don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's not by works, by faith. So what does he say? Get up, go celebrate, go eat. We're getting ready to look at the feast next week. And he says, I want you to do this because the joy of the Lord, God's pleasure in coming for you, that's what your strength is. That's where your trust needs to be. It's in what God has done, not what you can do. Don't let your trust be in what, in what you can do or what even you have done. This morning, some of you need to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself because God already has. 
but you're still trying to figure out how to feel better about yourself. Listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't, don't even try to chase a feeling. I'm just trying to feel better about myself. Okay. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Stand in front of the mirror every morning and tell yourself how beautiful you are. But down deep inside, you're like, hmm, not that hot. <laughs> you know, yes, I am. Yes, I am. No, you're not. <laughs> and I feel like naming. I'm dipping seven times over something. Mm. Different message. So here's, here's you, you, you can talk yourself into a good game. And I, listen, we need to be positive. But here's what I am positive about. It's, it's a work of God in your life. Emily, if you'll please come. Here's what has to happen because it's not based on feelings. It's based on understanding who God is and what God has done in your life. Who God is and what he's done. He loves you. He gave himself for you. It's, it's when we, it's the simple things. We don't put him first. And see, even when I say that, there, there are some of us here, and guys, I, I understand. I've been that way myself. John, surrender. I will what I want. God will give you that much. Now, we don't say it, but we do it. God, I need, I need, I need help in this area, so I'll give you this much. Work a miracle, God. And all God's saying is, that's not the miracle. Your surrender brings the miracle. Can I tell you, a lot of the circumstances we pray for and a lot of the circumstances we struggle with, um, Josh said it during the offering, a lot of the things that we pray for are really self-serving in our circumstances. What if we just prayed, God, in spite of my circumstances, I want to be closer to you than I've ever been. I just want to be with you. I want to put you first. I know my circumstances may, it may take a while, because see, some of the stuff that we're going through, he uses those circumstances for us to grow. Some of those things happen because he wants us to grow. So little by little, there's growth, and it's not that God's slow. He's purposeful. There's a reason. He's trying to strengthen us. He's trying to prepare us for the next level. He's preparing us for something greater. And I know some of you might be saying right now, Lord, I'm prepared enough, please. Take the weight off. I just wonder what it would look like when some of you I know have been battling very hard to rebuild things in your life. But now you're hearing the most important thing is not brick and mortar your heart the most important thing is not even behavior modification it's your heart Lord I surrender my heart and see when I surrender my heart now the word comes into play and when I'm living by the word and I'm looking to the word guys I just want to I just challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ get in the word 
when that's your foundation, that's how you make decisions. When that's your foundation, that's how you begin to look at life and that's begin, that begins a, a process of how you'll start making decisions for your family and for the rest of your life. And see, you'll find it very difficult to live in rebellion when you're, when you're earnestly seeking the Lord and reading His Word because He'll show you stuff. And you'll have to try to just close it and forget about it and back away and stop reading. But I promise you, if you'll just keep going to it, He'll keep reminding you that He's the Creator. He'll keep reminding you that he has everything under control. He'll keep reminding you that no weapon formed against you can prosper. He'll keep reminding you of those kind of things, but he'll also keep reminding you, I want all of you. I don't want parts and pieces. I want all of you. Worship, the word, and and us allowing him to be our strength because it's his joy. It was for his joy. It was his desire. Let's all stand together. I heard this illustration and we'll pray. John Piper, I believe it is, shared this illustration. That Nehemiah calling the people back in was simply reminding them of, of a wayward bride who had run from her husband. But the church being the bride comes back to the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. And what they find is not a bridegroom who is upset, but a bridegroom who is joyful. They don't, they don't, the church doesn't find a bridegroom who wants to scold them and turn them away. They find a bridegroom who, for the joy, gave himself for them. And he runs and embraces them. He says, you're mine. See, that's the kind of relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in bondage. And all the stuff that we're trying to build, I promise you, if we'll just start living lives of worship, guard that gate, guard those influences, I don't don't want you to feel like you're having to dodge um, the enemy all the time when you walk out of here today and think everything's a bullet from the enemy no just walk in confidence and when you see something coming start saying no before it gets there if you see something coming marriages if you see something coming husbands I'm just speaking straight to you right now if you see something coming just start loving immediately just just humble yourself before the Lord he will lift you up Wives, you see something coming? Don't make, don't make this afternoon deciding, okay, it's my turn to win now. Now's my chance. What, what, what would our marriages look like if we were willing to stand with each other and just hear the word? Stand and just hear the word and then respond to the word. Not our feelings. I'm talking to everybody. Not our feelings, not our emotions, but the word, the word, the word. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to you today. Lord, we are your children, and to a great extent, Lord, I almost feel like we've we've been invited to come home. 
we've been invited to come back to the table and Lord when we've gotten here there's a, there's a part of it coming back that feels like we don't want to keep going through the same motions we don't want to just keep going we feel like our life has just been going in circles and we just can't do that anymore and Lord it's true you've not called us to be what we've been you're calling us to something greater but Father right now in the name of Jesus Christ I pray that we see that without us putting you first in our life and without us living by your word we truly never really move forward but God when we do <laughs> your joy is our strength Lord now the weapons that that the world has for us and now the words and now the stuff that we face we're not trying to battle that in our own strength but in the name of Jesus Christ Lord whatever we're facing it's in your strength so father I pray for relationships right now in the name of Jesus Christ Lord that we stop fighting it in our strength and now we just according to your word lean on you Lord I pray for businesses I pray for decisions that will be made this week Lord I pray that that no one make the next decision without going to your word I pray that our our entire mind began to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and your word father that as we study your word it changes our thinking that Lord as we study your word we just become individuals father that the world knows us because of our love and our obedience to you they just see it father. now God I pray for this and Lord in just a moment when we're dismissed I pray that we we leave here father we love each other and just fellowship with each other but God I just pray that you put a hunger in our hearts for you and the word a hunger God for you and the word in the name of Jesus Christ amen amen you are dismissed but listen before you walk out the door if you need prayer I want our prayer teams to come and we just want to pray with you maybe you're going through a season maybe you're going through something we want to pray with you about that but I just want to tell the rest of you I love you Get a Bible. Get in the Word. Get where people are sharing and, and preaching and proclaiming the Word. And watch what God's going to do in your life. You may not think you've got much to offer, but surrender it to Jesus and watch what He does. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.